We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. dive into this mailbag because we do have some good questions here if you have some more questions let's throw them in there uh i have now seen in the chat three different quarterbacks projected to Notre Dame in the portal so uh i will i am going to we will have a show on that we'll have a portal show this week i'm also going to do an article that's going to sort of be redone every time a quarterback that i like enters the portal i'm going to look at some guys i'm going to break them down are they good fits or not for notre dame and so i'll start i'll probably have that starting tomorrow and then as new guys get the portal that i like we'll we'll add them to it and just kind of portal report i like that I yeah like that. Well, quarterback is the main one my first article is going to be here's the needs in the portal here's where they need to look and then i'll kind of because quarterback's the big one if, if they only get a quarterback in the portal this year and he's a kid that can play yeah that's success like if, if give me another even just another jack cone Right. And obviously, that's my opinion of Jack Cohn. Right. I mean, other people don't think it's highly of Jack Cohn. I did. And I, and I, and I'll take this to my grave, Ryan. Jack Cohn's not even starting quarterback this year. They're at worst 11 to one. Like, that's no disrespect to Drew, but it, it's, it was a combination of he could run Tommy's offense. He was a veteran. You know, he'd been through all of that stuff. He could have been able to handle some of the tough spots. He would, he showed last year, love Tyler's talent, but Jack makes that fourth quarter, those fourth quarter throws that Tyler didn't hit because he he's done it before. He's been through those battles. He's been through those wars. He missed those throws early in his career, like a lot of young quarterbacks make. And then he learned from it and got better at it. So, but you know, you need to get a, a guy that can come in and, and just be a really good player. In my opinion is, is the ideal situation, but we're going to, we're going to discuss that and, and, and wrap that up. So uh, Ryan Woolridge says, what happens? Thank you for the super chat, Ryan. He said, um, what happens if both quarterbacks for the pack get hurt? So talking about NC State on that one. Ryan, I would love to answer your question, but I'm just not quite sure are you referring to. I'm gonna assume he's talking about NC State because they're down to two quarterbacks, right? I mean I guess. Because yeah. MJ Morris was banged up and then they had the oh, Finley ben, kid. Ben playing. Finley. Yeah, Ben yeah, Finley was in the bowl game. because so, uh, yeah. so the, yeah. Oh I mean you're gonna have to find somebody on your team <laughs> that can take a snap and hand the ball off. I mean, that's really what it yeah. boils down to. 
Yeah. Uh, but if you're talking about something else, Ryan, please let me know. And I, cause I want to make sure that I'm answering your question. I'm, sh- I'm sure they have an emergency quarterback ready. Somebody that yeah. played it in high school. You know? Most teams so, do. Yeah, yeah. Most teams will do that. Good team. Well, coach teams will anyway. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. David Hess with a super chat. I love the heart this team showed. Thank you very much, David, by the way, for your super chat. I really do appreciate that. I love the heart this team showed this year. Here's hoping for that ninth win and onward to next year. Thanks for all the content guys at IB. I'm going to say this, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Heart's not enough, right? You, you got you to play well and win games. However, what he's saying here is part of the foundation I'm talking about. Like There is no spinning that this was a su- successful season. We're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. What this show is about is, in spite of it being a disappointing season, there was a lot of stuff that you can build off of to make you excited for what they're going to do. And yeah. and what I'm going to bring up after David's question, to tie into David's question, to get mm-hmm. to it is, it's not unheard of for a coach to kind of not do well his first year and then yep. bout do things really well. And so, uh, but if the heart's not there, if you've got, I've, I've always felt this as a coach, Ryan, and I know you've coached a little bit too. Mm-hmm. If a kid is a hard worker and even sometimes plays too hard or too out of control or, you know, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. But if I got a kid who doesn't want to work, a kid who, who doesn't have the right attitude, that's harder to fix. Because yes. that's, an, that's an inside here problem for that kid that I can't get into that. If mm-hmm. a kid's a hard worker and has the heart, it's like the story I love hearing about Lou Holtz. 
I think it was um, after the bowl game. I think it, if I remember correctly, somebody else might be able to prove me wrong. It was after the bowl game that they lost in 80s after the 87 season, I believe because Notre Dame lost their final three games of the year that year. And there's a story that Lou Holtz came in and he goes in the locker room and it might've been after the 86, like the last game of the 86 season. I I can't quite remember. Some of the others can, can maybe point that out and help me remember that one. Basically he, he walks into the locker room and there's this, one of his players is in there sobbing after the loss. Mm -hmm. And it was Chris Zorich. Hmm. Problem is Chris Zorich didn't play in the game, but he, he, he hurt that much. He loved that team so much that he was just sobbing in the locker room after a loss that he didn't even play in. And he was like, that's the kind of kid I want on my football team. Right. And that's the thing is if the heart is there, mm-hmm. if the, if the willingness to work is there, we can fix as a coach, we can fix all the other things looking at it from a coaching standpoint. I can fix the practices. I can work on this. I can improve this. I can, I can make a change here. If the foundation is strong, Right. If the willingness to put in the work is there, if they then care. it's up to me to fix those things. If I have kids that don't want to be here, then you're Texas A&M. Yep. Or and Miami right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's – we never saw that from Notre Dame this year. Mm-hmm. And that's the important – and they had multiple chances to quit. They had multiple chances to have veterans, Isaiah Foskey and, and Michael Mayer, if they would have after Stanford said, I'm done, people wouldn't have liked it. But people will have understood. Yep. And not only did they not do that, they doubled down and played their butts off in the next several games. Like Isaiah Foskey bounced back from what was arguably the worst game of his career with one of the best games of his career the next week. And he was also really good against Clemson the week after that. That yep. tells me something about the heart of him and, and his he, football team. And he played his butt off against USC, man. Yes. He played his butt yes. off against USC. Yes. Yes. You know? That says something about not only Isaiah Foskey, but where this team is. And how Michael Mayer improved as a blocker is an yes. example that we've given For during the no season. no reason. There's, yeah. He had no reason to do so. Nobody was nobody in the NFL was going to care much about that. No, but he's still, he's still just, going to win the first but round. But he regardless. knew it's what he needed to do to win because this was going to be a running football team. And it says a lot about that. Jarrett Patterson would have had every reason to, and Marcus Freeman said this, to say, hey, I'm not playing. I'm injured. I got too many injuries. I, I can't. I can't do it. But he answered the bell every single game once he came back. I always point to another good example too, Brian, for Michael Mayer is it was the Cal game, right? Where where Pines airmailed that yeah. one where it's wide open. Oh, the seam route. Yeah. Yes. And instead of Michael Mayer going on the sideline and sulking and being to himself and just saying, Drew, you suck, get away from me, he goes right to Drew Pine to pick him up, right? And a right. lot of pass catchers would have just been like, dude, you suck. Get somebody else in here that can make that throw. And instead, he was the ultimate teammate, the consummate teammate, and was there to pick up his quarterback, which I think say, yep. I think it speaks volumes to the player. And that was the week after they just lost to Marshall, right? Like that's, yes. Yep. Now that ties into another question that we had down here from Siggy13. And he says, now that the regular season is done, is there a first-year coach in memory from anywhere in football that was similar to Freeman and might give us foresight into where this can go? I'm going to give you two polar op- a couple polar opposite examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, I think the most direct example is Kirby Smart. Mm. And obviously, his first year at Georgia, they went eight and five. Uh, they went uh, they went eight and four in the regular or seven and five in the regular season. Lost to Ole Miss 45-14. Lost at home to Tennessee 34-31. Lost to Vanderbilt. Lost to Georgia by two touchdowns, and then got beat by Georgia Tech at the end of the season. 
went in the bowl game, beat TCU 31-23, and the next year they played for national championship. Beat Notre Dame, played for national championship. Uh, Dabo Sweeney needed two years to really get going. His first year, uh, they went nine and five. His second year, they went six and seven. Third year, they went ten and four. By year four, uh, they were the top ten team back to back years. So, I mean, that was a similar example, a little bit different. And then another example, the one that kind of probably means I think is is probably the most direct to, to Marcus Freeman based on who he stepped in for, but. You know, he he inherited a, a team at Ohio State that went eight and four, right? Mm-hmm. Lost four of their last seven games uh, to ranked teams. Lost to number sixteen Purdue. Lost to number nineteen Michigan. Lost to number fourteen South Carolina. Uh, uh, Lou Holtz coached South Carolina team, and then the next year Jim Trestle steps in and he goes seven and five, including losing their bowl game. They were seven and four, seven and four going into the bowl game and lost a bowl game to South Carolina. Uh, and so you go into that and seven and five that's his year. and he was a guy that had experience but it was he was at, at fcs he was at youngstown state is this really you know yeah they beat michigan that year but what do they mm-hmm. do the next year ryan they go out and win a national championship and beat one of the greatest collections of talent i've ever seen in my life in that miami team it was ridiculous man <laughs> you know uh and and Fra- of course Fra- frank Gore was like a third string running back right that team. exactly <laughs> they dude they had they that team i mean that team was insane like the year before on that team, you had Willis McGahey playing fullback, right? Wasn't DJ Williams the full, a fullback on the team? A guy that eventually became a starting linebacker in the National Football League was a first-round draft pick for the Broncos. Yeah, he was a stud, right? He was a really good linebacker. He was playing yeah. fullback on that team, I believe. And, and, you know, so and and so that, I mean, that's – but it was about the foundation was laid in year one, mm-hmm. the foundation of toughness. You know, what was the big knock on John Cooper? Couldn't win the big game. Yeah, Good teams just couldn't win the big game. And that was a knock on Brian Kelly, right? And now John Cooper's records weren't as good as Brian Kelly's because the Big Ten was really good back then. And you, if you weren't good, you weren't going to go 11-1 against a soft schedule like Brian Kelly had last year. Yep. So I think it's it's one of those things where – but the foundation was laid during that 7-5 and five season, Ryan. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at that team. They had a, a tough loss at UCLA early in the year. They lost at home to Wisconsin by three. They lost at to Penn State by two. Lost to Illinois at home by 12 beat Michigan on the road, and then, you know, all the momentum from that game is gone because they lost to, to South Carolina in a bowl game. But, again, they had some really talented young players, and he laid a foundation of toughness. This is how we're going to compete. And he didn't waver from that. And then the next year, with some tweaks, they went out and won a national championship. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but th- there are plenty of examples of that happening in college football. Yeah. And I'm sure if I spent – 10 minutes, I could think of more, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, there's clearly more. I mean, Al, it didn't take Nick Saban very long to get that Alabama team turned around, but what he was willing to sacrifice losing to Lee's and Monroe because he was trying to do something bigger than right now. And I think that's the part that we talked about earlier. That was so important is Marcus Freeman probably could have made some tweaks to this team that might've mm-hmm. actually allowed them to score a little more or make a few more stops, but they'd have been short-term fixes. And they would sure. have just masked the problems that existed, but he didn't do that. He said, no, 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 we're doing something bigger. Our season's already, I mean, we're not playing for a championship. That's been done since September 10th. So now it's about, we're building for, for the future with, while also trying to win all the games this year. I'm not saying they sacrifice wins this year. I'm not saying that at all, but what I'm saying is he wasn't willing to sacrifice. This is who we're going to be right. for short term, short term, short term success. 
and there's going to be some bumps in the road. And that's something that I think was smart. And that's something that his mentor did there. And Lou Holtz is similar. And Lou Holtz went five and six in his first year. And the next year, Notre Dame comes out and started really, really well. You know, I think they started, uh, if I remember correctly, Ryan, I think they started 8-0, I believe, in 87. No, 8-1. and They were 8-1. and They lost at Pittsburgh. But they beat number nine Michigan on the road. They beat number 17 Michigan State. I, I'm saying this one for Ladarius's, uh, for his benefit. They beat number 10 Alabama 37 to 6, and they climbed all the way up to number seven that next year. And then they lost their next three games. And Lou Holtz never wavered from his foundation, but he said, I'm going to find people that want to be here. He right. didn't change. He said, No, no, this is who we are. And if you don't want to be here, go somewhere else. Because the guys that I'm playing next year are the guys who are going to believe do what we were saying to do. And that's what I felt like we saw go happen this year at Notre Dame. Yep. Is that. And that's what we're going to see this offseason. There's going to be some heart-to-hearts with kids saying, hey, if you don't want to buy into this, I love you and appreciate everything you've done, but this isn't the place for you. And and I think that's one of the other things that has me kind of optimistic about what's the, the future holds. Great. Got a couple more here, Ryan, or several more here. Uh, Cuba, Cuba Puig, the cut is smooth, BD. Thank you very much. Uh, somebody asked earlier also if this is uh, here, it is from uh, and thank you for the super chat, uh, Cuba. I appreciate that. Austin Schaumberg said, Is this is your hair always that short, or am I thrown off by you not having a hat on? Um, my hair's always this short, except when I mean I don't, I'm I go a month without cutting it, it gets longer. But I've had this pretty much this haircut since I was like 16 years old. A couple times I let my hair grow out and I just got kind of combed it over, but I was like, I hate this. I don't like having hair. I just like this. I just like the tight fade and good to go. And and the best part about this is it's free. So you know, so there's that too. Hair haircuts are expensive, man. I got yeah, one last week that was like exactly. 21 bucks. So mine, mine, all mine costs is time. All right. So, uh, yes, that's absolutely. So I, I appreciate the, the everybody noticing and, and I knew it was going to happen too. I, we, we talked about that, but I appreciate that. And it's, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I, I love it. It's great. Michael S with a super chat. Why couldn't Notre Dame run the ball or stop the run at USC? We, we kind of talked about that in the post game show. Why couldn't they run the ball? USC was basically going to say, we're going to outnumber you, not leverage you and make it hard on you. And Notre Dame could have pounded their head against the wall and tried to run the ball into outnumbered boxes, or they could have said, let's rip them up with the pass game. And that's exactly what they did. They just was it 318 you know, yards, right? Or yeah, whatever it was. 23 or, of 26. Yeah. So now it wasn't good enough. Sure. Mainly because the second part they couldn't do. Why? Yeah. That's a long conversation. There's a lot of different reasons. The scheme wasn't good. Linebacker play wasn't good. All the stuff we talked about in the post game show um, it was a bad plan. And it, and that bad plan wasn't executed. Well, it was a, that's a bad combination. Real bad combination. And at times, USC's kids made some really good plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's part of it, too, but it's not the only reason right. that they didn't have success. Yeah. And, and I mean, you have, you have to give them part credit, right? Andrew Voorhees is a good football player. Austin Jones is a good football player. But Notre Dame made them look like elite football players, right? right? And that's that just can't happen. Just can't happen. Yep. Next one here is from uh, – we actually already got to that one. This is from Ryan Elliott. Brian, thoughts on a possible LSU matchup? They're probably going to be ranked too high but I think that would be a huge draw. Well, I mean, it'd be a huge draw. I, I don't know if it's possible based on, I mean, if look, if USC loses this weekend, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Alabama gets into the playoff, which I think is insanely stupid, but at the same time, who are you going to take Ohio state who just got curb stomped by Michigan. I mean, it's, it's, 
everyone that's arguing for an expanded playoff, like this is not the year for you to be banging that drum because you're going to have trouble getting four good teams in the playoff this year, much less eight or 12. You know what I mean? Like there's like three teams that are deserving of playoff bursts right now. With all due respect to USC, they earned the four spot for now, but that's not a, that's not a, this USC team would get destroyed by almost every playoff team that I've seen going back up until Michigan state in 2016. That's probably the last playoff team I've seen that wouldn't whoop this Michigan team, in my opinion, or this, uh, sorry, not Michigan, um, this USC team with all due respect, including the last two Notre Dame teams that made the playoff would beat this USC team, in my opinion. So anyway, that's a different conversation for a different day. But yes, LSU would be a huge draw. I think it's a, I think it's a favorable matchup for Notre Dame. I won't spend too much time on it just because if it is the matchup, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But that's not a matchup that would scare me. It's not. First of all, I don't know. But here's the thing too, Ryan, is part of the reason I don't want to talk too much about the bowl game yet is I don't know who's going to be playing, who they're going to be playing, and then who's going to be playing for either of those two teams. Team. Right, right. Yep. You know, so um, – it's just a little too early for that. But I just in big picture, Ryan, to address you, I would love an LSU matchup in a bowl game. I would love oh, it. for sure. For sure. And Notre Dame's had pretty good success against LSU in bowl games. So that's right. Yep. Bob Kosky. Thank you, Bob. Brian and Ryan, what are your thoughts on Tommy Reese? Do you cats believe he deserves another year or do you think Freeman should let him go? Uh, we, we have no opinion on that, that, that we care to share. That's not our call. Yeah. Uh, there's really nothing that co- positive that comes from uh, us swaying in on that. And that's just not what we do. I, I've said this before, Bob, on the website, I'll just make it clear here. As a former coach, I don't find it uh, appropriate or or right for me to go out there and say coaches should be fired for uh, reasons other than like, I, I had no problem saying Scott Frost needed to go because it wasn't about football. Right. Why I thought he needed to be fired. It was other stuff. Mm-hmm. I have no problem criticizing the hire of Hugh Freeze. I'm all for second chances, but sometimes for like people think that forgiveness means, okay, you can go right back to the job you had, right? Like, no, I can forgive you for your transgression, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust you again and then hire you again. Right. I mean, he, that's, he, he even got a better job technically, which is wild. Yeah. Just yeah. Wild. <laughs> uh, you know, but it doesn't matter what we think about it. Yeah. We're going to evaluate the job that, that coach Reese did. We'll evaluate the job and the expectations for what he needs to do. What does he get better at if Coach Freeman keeps him, which I, as of right now, I fully anticipate Tommy Reese being the offensive coordinator next year. I I don't think Marcus Freeman's going to go shake up his staff too much. And I kind of understand it, Ryan. Like, look, you went through a, a bit of a crazy year. You're all kind of learning to, to – there were some good things and some bad things. You know, for the most part, I need you to make this change. I need you to make this change. As long as you're cool with that, let's roll. Let's roll together and and move forward. But, you know, will that be the case? I have no idea. I anticipate him being back. And it's going to then be about, okay, what does Tom and Reese need to do to get this team to maximize his potential in offense? That's what we're going to focus our time on. And I don't mean – and I'm Bob, your question's fine. And I hope when people ask this and we say we're not answering it, I'm not mad about it being answered. I asked, I completely understand where y'all are coming from with all of this. It's natural. It's just, that's not something I'm comfortable doing. And it's not something that I want on my, on my channel. And so we all, everyone has been made aware that that's not what we're speaking on. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll just, we'll address the decisions that are made and the coaches that are on staff. 
I, I want ultimately I want what's best for the program. So whether Tommy Reese is a part of that or he isn't, we'll talk about if he is a part of the solution, if he's not a part of the solution, and our conversation will come from there, right? But ultimately the bottom line, and I've never steered away from this fact, is that I'm a fan of Notre Dame football, right? And I want Notre Dame football to be very successful. And I will lay out, just as Brian just stated, what I think they need to best do with whoever is the coach, whoever is the coordinator, whoever, whatever players on the field, what I feel like they need to do to make them the best possible product that they can to get back to where they need to go. That's the point blank to it. So that's uh, I agree because, look, <laughs> we all are professional in something, right, in, in different avenues. And I don't think anybody would appreciate anyone saying that we should get fired from Well, I've our had well-being. people say that to me on Twitter, and I don't care much for it. <laughs> yes, or at least I yes. used to not. I don't care anymore. I mean, I can't. I'm not going to fire myself. So, um, uh, but, uh, I mean, it just – but the other thing, too, it, it does – if you tried frying yourself, that'd be pretty hysterical. Yeah. I, I could just imagine you like looking in the mirror, like, Brian, we need to have a conversation. Can you yeah. sit down? Like, yeah. And then I start like, yeah. <laughs> if I start doing that, then you need to call someone. I'll, I'll, I need, I'll bring, I need, I'll, I'll, I need I'll to be committed. Order a stri- I'll, I'll give yeah. you an Irish breakdown straight jacket. Yeah. Right I, I would need some help there. Uh, the other thing too, in, in all seriousness too, Ryan is, is it doesn't matter what we think. Like Jack Swarbrick's not sitting at his desk. Like, Come on, Driscoll, answer the dang question. I need to know what to do. You know, Marcus Freeman's not sitting at his desk being like, man, have has Driscoll weighed in on, on, on what I should do at the offensive coordinator or not? Like, maybe I should call him and ask him what he thinks. Uh, I promise you that's not happening. And so it doesn't matter. And so then what if I sit here today and say one of two – I'm going to say one of two things because then people take it the wrong way. I'm going to say one. What if I say, you know what, he needs to move on from Tommy Reese? And then he doesn't, and then I have to then work with this coaching staff to try to get intel or get scoop and – or, or if I say he should be fired and then I'm critical of Tommy Reese next year, it's going to be, well, you only think that because you don't think he should be here. You don't like him. You're a hater, whatever the case may be, right? Then the flip side is what if I say, nope, Marcus Freeman needs to come back or bring Tommy Reese back, no doubt about it, absolutely, and then he doesn't. And then I'm like, oh, okay, then if I then he hires someone else, and let's say I don't like that hire, oh, you're just saying that because you were Tommy's boy. Or you didn't think he should – so it doesn't matter what I say, and it's going to be harder for me to be perceived as objective if I've weighed in on what he should do if I have a a, a negative reaction to what he does. And so since my opinion doesn't matter – I mean, because if my opinion mattered, Brian Kelly wouldn't have been brought back after 2016, so clearly they're not listening to me at Notre Dame, (laughs) right? And a lot of Brian Kelly's hires would have been different if it was up to me. So uh, it just doesn't matter. I'm going to evaluate the coaches that are here and the decisions that Mark Freeman, Marcus Freeman makes. It's up to him, and he gets paid a lot more than I make to make those decisions. And that's kind of where I'm at. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on that one. And I, and I, hope, and I know not everyone's going to agree with that, and I understand and I respect it. I respect your disagreement. I'm just telling you where I'm at on that one. Uh, let's see here, Ryan. This is a this is an interesting one. I want to get your thoughts on this from Brent Smith. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. give my short answer, and then yep. you can follow up. Brian and Ryan, do you believe next year there'll be less substitution at the safety position? Uh, yes, no, yes, but partly because if if everyone's healthy, yes. If not, no. Part of the rotation this year was about health, but mm-hmm. 
there will always be a rotation of safety. They will always play at least three safeties every game. Yeah. Thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, I'm just thinking of the names that are going to be potentially in the room next year, which will be interesting, right? Like you'll have Xavier Watts coming back. I know Justin Walters is still on the roster. You'll have Peyton Bowen coming in. You'll have Adon Ramon Henderson coming in. Ramon Henderson. You'll have Ben Minich coming in. So I'm interested to see how much that freshman class is able to capitalize on playing time, Brian. Because I know we talked about this a lot, right? Like I expect Peyton Bowen, if he's a part of the class, to have a significant role next year. But I wouldn't be shocked if Adon Shoulders too good to keep off the off the field in some capacity, right? But I mean, to your point. I don't think that the safety room is going to be incredibly deep from a experience level next year. I mean, like you're going to have Ramon back. You're going to have Xavier back that have played a decent amount of football, maybe Brandon Joseph, although I, I don't really anticipate that one as, as we're kind of currently sitting. So I, I don't think there's a lot of depth from a veteran perspective next year, but it'll be interesting to see how the freshmen are able to kind of crack into the rotation next year. That'll be kind of the, because I mean, what if what if Peyton Bowen and Adon Schuler are just too good to keep off the field, you know? And then you start mixing it up with the Ramon Hendersons, the Xavier Wattses, then that kind of changes my answer a little bit, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a, then that gets a little different. But Jason Sexton asked Brian and Ryan, when was the last time Notre Dame had such a gap closing quarterback room? If you include the twenty three class, well, I mean, honestly, the two thousand eighteen starting lineup was really flipping good. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, Notre Dame had arguably the best cornerback. Um, one of the best cornerback rooms in the country that year, if you look at the starters. Now, there, the difference yeah. was, the problem was, because Dante Vaughn was hurt that year, not never was 100%, when you lost one of the starters, there was a big drop-off sure. because of Dante's injury. And then after Dante, there wasn't a whole lot. It was like freshman treat Bracey, who was, you know, Good at times, but he was not the guy you wanted to be playing against Clemson's Giants, right? But that quarterback room was that cornerback room was really good. That cornerback room was as good as anybody. And that's part of the reason that Clemson felt so comfortable confident they were going to win the title after they beat Notre Dame, because they were not at all worried about Clemson's defense compared to Notre Dame's that year. Right. And so, but the depth is the thing. And so look, next year's cornerback cornerback tandem, if Cam Hart comes back, if he comes back. I think could be every bit as good, if not bigger, better than the 2018 group. Definitely bigger. <laughs> yeah. Definitely bigger. I, I think it can be better. Yeah. Now, if, if, now here's the thing if, the, if everybody pans out, Jason, that's the key is like, what if these guys don't pan out? If everybody pans out and, and Jaden Mickey's as good as we think and Christian Gray's as good as we think and Micah Bell, you have to kind of go back to the early 90s when Notre Dame was putting out first and second round draft picks every year in the secondary. I mean, Jeff Burris, Tom Carter, Bobby Bobby Taylor, Willie Clark. I mean, they were putting out high draft picks nonstop. And uh, that, uh, you know, that's kind of where where I think it can get to, at least a corner. Safety, you're going to need another cl- good year to back up this. It's a great. I mean, there's not a better safety group in the country, in my opinion, than the one you have now. But it's needed because it's uh, thin right now. Yeah. Yep. And and you need to follow it up with another really good safety class, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Or a deep corner class that has kids that can then move to safety. Like if let's say they sign three corners again in 2024. And you know, there's a couple kids that that, that are on the board that like if the kid doesn't stick at corner, it could be a really good cover safety, then do that at least. But they need to get more kids that have safety potential, in my Great. opinion. 
Agree. All right, let's get to some more here. J- just uh, Jonathan Gabrick, and we have a basketball question we're going to get to here in a second as well. But he said, Hudson Card to the portal, could another failed Longhorn quarterback end up in Nebraska? Uh, first of all, I do not consider Hudson Card a failed quarterback. He played pretty well in the limited time he had this yes. year. So, yeah. I think he threw for over 300 yards in, a, in the last game he started. Look, there was no way in heck that they were not going to start Quinn Ewers this year. Even though no way. Every, everything I heard, Hudson mm-hmm. Card was better in the preseason than Quinn Ewers. Yeah. But, yeah. A lot of people have argued that that he yeah. outplayed, but you're just you're not gonna you're not gonna you can't not start him for a, a, some legitimate reasons, some not very legitimate reasons. Sure, but that's just part of the the deal in the 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 modern era, right? Mm-hmm. And and look, so does that mean that Joe Burrow was a failed Ohio State quarterback? You know what I mean? So uh, he is not Casey Thompson. I mean, no, much more talented than Casey. Thompson. Yeah. Now, when I look at Hudson Cart, he's one of several kids that I'll look at. And one of several kids that I'll talk about, you know, the reports are now reports came out during the show that he was going to be in the portal. That's not unexpected. Uh, I also know that there are conversations that have been had with, you know, if you jump in the portal, there'd be some interest. I believe that to be the case as well. Uh, but Notre Dame's got to be real careful with that. You can't reach out to kids. Uh, doesn't mean people can't call you or reach out to sources that you know. But uh, I think Notre Dame would look at him as as one of several kids to look at. So I um, would I I consider him. Yes. Would he be my definitely that guy's the guy that I want? Um, I'm not there yet. I'm not yep. there yet. There's several kids that I like. I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're obviously still doing our homework on guys that could potentially be in the portal because there's a lot of guys right now that you're hearing also that aren't in the portal, right? So, like, until right. they get in, why are you going to study them just in case they don't enter the portal type of right. thing? But to the question, though, Jonathan, I also do push back against the failed Longhorn quarterback. Yeah. I think that's unfair to him because I watched the West Virginia game on the coach's film, and I thought yeah. Hudson Card looked very good in that football game. He did so, some good things in the Texas Tech game. They lost as well. They couldn't run the ball. Yeah. Once they got a big lead, they couldn't run the ball. And, I actually thought he had some decent moments since Alabama as well. Yeah. I don't think it was like this like fall off the face yeah. of the earth type of conversation. Right. But, yeah, I mean, but to the question, Hudson Card is talented enough where I am definitely giving him a look. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Is he the guy ultimately? I have no idea. I don't know who else in the in the portal right. yet. He's one of my favorites that's in the portal now. Oh, like sure. if if no one new enters the portal, he'd probably be my top guy over Cade McNamara. But there's some other guys that we're hearing might jump in the portal that would probably move ahead of him, in my opinion. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, by the way, Ryan, during the show, did you see that the reports now are that uh, Brent Key is going to be become the permanent coach at Georgia Tech, which might shake Ooh. up some things uh, here a little bit. Brent Key. Who was the interim coach at Georgia Tech? He was their old line coach. Oh, They're really? promoting the interim coach to the head coach at Georgia Tech. Yeah. So like uh, yeah. I don't know anything about him, but that's yeah. weird. But <laughs> based on an earlier conversation, that that's interesting, you know, yes. if other things happen. So we'll see. John Gabrick also was talking about the basketball team. He said, uh, I was talking to Ladarius, asking about the basketball team. We are five and one. They just lost to St. Bonaventure. Such a bad loss. Uh, but Bray only uses a five man rotation. Occasionally we'll rotate in one bench player. He refuses to play young talent unless he's forced to. We get gas in the second half. A lot of that's correct. And as far as Bray has always been notorious for playing short benches. Uh, yeah. But the only reason he played only six guys in the most recent game is because Marcus Hammond, the transfer from Niagara, is still hurt. When Marcus Hammond comes back in, immediately the bench goes to seven. 
And the other thing, the other one too is Dom Campbell, the freshman big man, is was is was playing, but he got hurt as well. He he should be back soon. Once mm-hmm. Dom Campbell and Marcus Hammond come back, you're going to see an eight man rotation, which is deep for Bray, because also you have um you know you have the current starters and all that kind of stuff. So uh, did that just happen? Let's see here. I just want to see if that happened or not. Uh, did he announce it? Give me one second. Hold on a second. Is there breaking news on the podcast right now? Maybe, but I'm trying to find it here. Uh, uh, doesn't look like – where'd that go? Where did it go? So, no, it's not. So, he uh, it's a retweet. So, I'm glad glad that I made sure I checked on that real quick. Um, so, anyway. No, nothing, guys. Nothing happened. Yeah, false alarm. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the, the thing is, is there's two guys that are hurt. Um, two guys that are hurt for Notre Dame right now that will be part of the rotation, including a, a transfer that was an 18-point all-first-team all-MAA. Uh, I always want to say the MAC, but it's not that MAC. It's the other MAC, the 2A MAC uh, mm-hmm. in Marcus Hammond. So, And then, of course, this year, all three freshmen are going to be part of the rotation this year. J.J. Starling is starting. Uh, Van Lubin Allen is playing a ton. He, was their lead. he had a double-double in the most recent game. And as I mentioned before, Dom Campbell will play a lot uh, when he gets back from health, he was playing before he got hurt. So, uh, but yes, it is maddening how thin Bray's bench is. It, it really is. And how he never has full scholarships on bat at basketball. It just, it's, it's maddening, but I just wanted to clarify that little, that little tidbit there. Gavin Harden, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this one to you, Ryan. What's keeping Notre Dame from moving Maris Lufau to Viper full time since he plays better just going forward. I mean, Gavin, it would be something that I would entertain, right? I, I think that the thing with this year is, if you go back to 2020, I felt like there was a lot of good signs for Marist, right? Like, was he always sure of what he saw? Absolutely not. But I mean, I remember watching the Alabama game from 2020 where I was just like, Marist Loifel was one of the few players defensively that I would say looked like he wasn't on a different planet from Alabama that day, right? Like he was moving, he was playing physically. Unfortunately, he gets hurt in 2021 and just doesn't look, I mean, he didn't take the maturation from a processing perspective that you would have liked right like he's just out there and i'll be very honest right like maris loifel is running very aimlessly on the football field at times and there's a lot of reps where i'm just like i don't understand exactly what he's looking at i don't understand what his key is i'm very confused on what this step there is but for this offseason if maris loifel comes back it would definitely be something that i would entertain because he won't he won't be a full-time viper because i mean he what's he 235 pounds right so he's not going to play on the edge every rep but is there a role that maris loithock can play at viper next year i think so i definitely think so let me ask you this question ryan mm-hmm. what would you think if notre dame decided they want to go to like a 3-3 look where they kind of used him as a sort of a rush player that mm-hmm. would also drop into the flats and do some of that hook curl stuff i'd be um, okay with it i'd be okay with it yeah okay. yeah and then not, then not have a viper so to speak I mean, because if he's the point being, if they're going to play him as a full time Viper, you have to change how you use your Viper. Agreed. You know, now what Freeman did at Cincinnati would fit a lot better to that. And is is kind of my point, not what he's doing now. I personally like a more of a four down, so I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah. But I think that would have to be it. But look, he'll he'll play a ton in the nickel. I think there's a Mm -hmm. role for him at Viper, especially against certain teams. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing, too, honestly, is I know we're all fresh by Maris Lewifow, but I still would say when he was right late in the year, to your point, Ryan, he was 
he was um um he was just I mean he was pretty good. So mm-hmm. how about they figure out why we didn't see that more? Why and fix that games and not instead of just you know toss them aside. I think that to me is my bigger concern. And if you figure things out and you've got to go a different direction, then mm-hmm. you know, sure. We'll 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 go there. And, and we'll if he there. doesn't if he doesn't develop in the offseason, then it's an easy conversation, right? Right. But at this point, Maris Leifel is still a really talented athlete. He is. So I would still try to find some way to utilize his strengths, whether that is at Viper, whether that is maturing as a will linebacker, whether that is playing maybe a little bit out in space, a little bit more almost in a rover role where you kind of use him more in a downhill capacity. Like there's, I still think there's ways that you can use Maris Leifel. It's just, unfortunately it was very uneven this year at will, but I still think there's, I, I wouldn't just throw him aside. I would still try to figure out a role that would, Best accentuate his strengths because I think he's too good of an athlete not to work with him. I really do. Right. Next question here from Coleman Smith. Hypothetically, if Al Golden uh, out of the blue takes another job, who would be your top names to replace him as a DC linebacker coach? I have one name for sure that mm-hmm. I like, and I know you have a name that you like, and I'll just say those in this hypothetical. If Al Golden were to take another job, yep. my first phone call uh, is probably to Joe Rossi. At Minnesota, he's very good, and he's a, not- a guy. He's got some Notre Dame. I mean, he would be very interested in that job, and he did a phenomenal job this year at Minnesota. He has the last and couple that, years, yes, the last couple years, yes. and yeah. he's a Western PA guy. He would fit at Notre Dame. I'll just leave it at that. He would fit very well at Notre Dame. That'd mm-hmm. probably be my first call, mainly because mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about the guy you're about to talk about, Ryan. Who's that, Jim Leonard? No. The dude oh, from no. Illinois, I thought, would be your first guy. Oh, Ryan Walters. Yeah. Ryan Walters is a really talented guy as yeah. well. You know, the Big Ten has a few of those guys, Brian, yeah. honestly. Now that I think My only it. concern with Jim Leonard is I think he's a very yeah. good defensive coordinator, but he has no reputation as a recruiter. Like, and it's, I mean, well, it, it, because he just doesn't, from everything I've heard, I've heard from some people with connections, he just doesn't, he doesn't recruit hard. Mm. And is he so much better of a coordinator than the other guys that, you can get away with that. No. I mean, with all due respect, Joe Rossi's defense was better than his this year. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, where I'm, where I'm at. So, yeah. Well, Ryan Walters is going to be the big name on the market for defensive coordinator. If for teams that are looking in my opinion, I mean, he's got, yeah. I mean, I thought he was, pretty good over the last couple of years, but this year, I mean, Illinois has just been on a different level. They play a lot of multiple fronts. They play a lot of three down. They have some three, four elements to their scheme, but they are, they're a team that's pretty, a really disciplined team. He doesn't blitz a ton on the second level, which is interesting, but he plays a lot of man coverage, a lot of single high stuff. I really like Ryan Walters from Illinois a lot. Yeah. So yeah, that would definitely be on the short list. If that possibility did come open, excuse me. Yeah. There's some really good Midwestern defensive coordinators that you could look at. I think the shine is a little bit off the coach at BC. He was a he was supposedly a finalist for the is job that, last is that year. Lacuba, Lacuba, yeah, yeah Tim, yeah. I, I did not like the job they did this year. Mm-hmm. It just didn't adjust, you know, to what their personnel was. I I, I didn't lie to love that job. Who's who's the Purdue's defensive coordinator? Because they had a nice year defensively, yeah. but and despite losing guys. I yes. mean, that was the crazy losing, thing. Is. Losing a first-round defensive lineman, you got better <laughs> somehow. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. they lose their top corner from last year as well. I thought Try- I thought I remember that. Uh, Ron English, so hard pass. 
Oh, uh, yeah. knows my English. <laughs> yeah, he's co-coordinators. That's another thing I wouldn't be I, – I, look, I wouldn't mind calling in somebody that's going to be your primary defensive coordinator, but then maybe naming like Mike Mickens as your co-defensive coordinator or pass game coordinator because you're going to need to start doing things to make sure you have him locked down mm-hmm. because he keeps recruiting and doing what he's doing right now at corner. He's going to be a hot commodity for some people. And uh, I want to make sure. And I'm not saying he is going anywhere. I mean, people want our opinion. Then when we get our opinion, they run with it and say, oh, they were saying this guy's looking around or whatever. Uh, I'm just saying hypothetically, I I feel how it all works that people are going to really be making it. I mean, if you can turn Notre Dame's cornerback room into a strength, that's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do at all. Was there uh, Johnny more, from the boot. Was there more massive news that just came up? Not for Notre Dame, but – for another thing, I'm gonna look it up and try to find it. Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. Uh, it's all good. So, uh, not for Notre Dame. Yeah. So then uh, no. I'll go to the next question. So Johnny from the boot. So is Notre Dame looking for any transfer portal players? Are there any players that you would be excited for that may or may not be in the portal? Number one, I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about guys in the port that aren't in the portal. You know, I may mention some names here or there, but overall, uh, just not really wanting to go there a whole lot. Uh, the three mm-hmm. positions, and we'll, we'll talk about this um, moving forward, is uh, Viper, receiver, and then quarterback are the top one. And receiver, honestly, Ryan, if they get Caleb Smith mm-hmm. and Lorenzo Styles comes back to Notre Dame, I don't know if I'd go to the portal for a receiver. I, I really don't because you'd yeah. have the three sophomores, Tobias Merriweather. You'd have five, uh, you know, the five incoming kids. I would honestly, if I had that extra scholarship, I'd honestly consider bringing Matt Salerno back for another year, as long as the promise is, or the, the understanding is, is that this is a depth thing. You're not going to play a ton. You know what I mean? Um, good special teams kid, good leadership. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if I'd go to the portal. I want to develop the young kids because there's a lot of talent in that young group, especially if Loren- now if Lorenzo leaves, then I think you need to go to the portal to get somebody that's got some experience. Yes. The op- the alternative is if if there's a stud receiver that wants to come, okay, well, yeah, then you take him. Mm-hmm. If Dante Thornton wants to come, I'm having that conversation with him. I don't know if I definitely would take him because you know he him and Tobias are very similar, but I would have that conversation. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll that's going to kind of be the topic of tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit more about this. Uh, and that's what Savage Science Fitness's question was. Hey, Brian, Ryan, and Brian, do you think we could land that whiteout from Oregon? Who who would love your opinion? That's referring to Dante Thornton. Now, Notre Dame recruited Dante Thornton coming out of high school. I don't know uh, much about him. Yeah, very tall, long, stretch the field kind of guy. Uh, yeah. Played some for them this year. Had I'm looking up his numbers. Yeah, it's like 17 catches for almost 400 yards. Just give me a second to look up his numbers here real fast. I liked him a lot coming out of high why, school. Why, why is he transferring? Um, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, well, their OC just left, and sure. they've got a pretty deep young receiving core. Mm-hmm. But uh, and the, and his style doesn't really fit what they're doing. They want the shorter, you know, and he's a tall, long, vertical guy. And he's a DC Maryland kid, so mm-hmm. he's far away from home. And that that glitz and glamour works great till you have to live in that every single day. But he had 17 sure. catches for 366 yards and a touchdown. He's a talented kid. My only thing would be, and he had four, well, four catches for 151 yards against Utah. Uh, had one one catch for 46 yards and a touchdown against Washington. But he's real similar to what Tobias is, and what and kind of Dion and I mean him, Dion and Tobias are all kind of similar players. So you know, I think the there I'd want a little bit need of a different type of guy maybe, but 
that's my gut reaction to it, honestly. Sure. But mm-hmm. that's also partly because I don't think De- Dante would look at Notre Dame. But if he, if Dante was inter, I'll just end right. I'd make the call. He's a talented <laughs> sure. kid. I'd make the call. Yep. Uh, would he definitely be the guy that I take? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I love it, and it's not because his ability. Part of doing this, Ryan, is not just saying let's go get the best receiver out there. He's got to mm-hmm. fit your room. Sure, he's got to meet a need that you don't have. And I don't think Dante necessarily meets a need that they don't have right now, in my opinion. But yeah. it also it comes, well, you can't have enough big-time playmakers. And I'm like, yeah, that's also true. That's, very that's true. also true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on that. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to add to that? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No, I feel similarly because, I mean, if if you got a kid like that that is, you know, going to get immediate playing time, then you're taking Deion Colsey or Tobias Merriweather off the field, right? Like, I, I agree. I think that there is a – like, there was a, or been a couple, like, slot options that have gone into the portal that if I was Notre Dame and, you know, you needed kind of that different type of player, I would take a deep look at, to your point. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. if he's if he's too similar to the Tobiases and the Deons of the world, then that's kind of – it's kind of productive to developing those guys that you already had on your roster that you've already put time into over the last mm-hmm. year or two, yep. right? So, yeah. Yep. Agree. John Bertucci, uh, I'm a, with a super chat. Thank you, John, very much. I'm assuming Mayer is out for the bowl. What do you want to see from the O if he sits in the bowl? Who needs to step up? Can Pine win without Mayer? A couple quick things. Michael Mayer has not announced he's not playing in the bowl game. I would yeah. guess, it's 100% a guess that he wouldn't play. But knowing Michael Mayer, I don't think it's going to be an easy decision for him, yeah. to be honest with you. And I think part of it might depend on who they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would, if I was advising him, I'd tell him not to play. I, I don't like sitting out the bowl game. That's not my thing. I think you should see it through. But that's not the reality of the universe we live in. Uh, if if football was the way that I wanted it to be, you play in every game you, your team plays. Mm-hmm. But it's not how football is. Michael Mayer has given you everything he has. Everything he has. And I would hate to see him go into a bowl game and get undercut by some DB who doesn't want to get run over by him and his knee gets torn up. Mm-hmm. I just – I would hate that. If he wants to play – yeah. yeah. If he wants to say, play, I'll play him, Ryan. But yeah. but I would understand. And if I was on his side and I was a, his parent or his advisor, I'd tell him not to play. Same if I was here. a coach in Notre Dame, I'd say we, we'd love to have you play because we think we can win with you. Yeah, if I especially if I mean if I'm his advisor, if I'm if I'm the agent that's going to represent him, like that would just 
yeah, that would be a decision that you would have to sit down and have a long talk. But I mean, Brian, unfortunately, we have seen that situation, right? Like you saw Jalen mm-hmm. Smith, you saw Jake Butt a couple years ago in the bowl game, yeah. got hurt himself. Matt Corral last year got banged yeah. up in the bowl game. Like it's now, happened, of course, those are the examples we're going to point to, but yes. more players have not gotten hurt. Sure, that yeah. have, but yep. it's it's enough. And Jake Butts and Jalen Smith were never the same guys. They were Ever. never the same athletes after that. Jake Butt was yeah. never able to recover from that injury. Jake Butt was Smith a really did good to a degree, that. but yeah. not he was never the same guy. Yep. You know, um, yeah. Um, here's a, here, I addressed this already in a show, Ryan, or on the board, Ryan. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, who would you rather play? From Mike uh, uh, Ganochi, I hope I'm saying that correctly, Michael. Who would you rather play in a bowl game, South Carolina or Mississippi? Now, this comes from our bowl projections yesterday. The Gator Bowl is where most people are projecting Notre Dame to play either South Carolina or Mississippi State. Who would you rather play? We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Me and Sean were actually split on this one, Brian. I would actually rather play South Carolina personally. One is because that Mississippi State offense I hate with a dying passion, right? And it's almost like the reverse triple option. And it's like one of those things where like uh, it's just so annoying to defend. And then also South Carolina's coming in pretty hot, man. They just beat Tennessee a couple weeks ago. They have the big win against Clemson this past week. I think that you are going I think you'd be taking on a South Carolina team that seems to be going in a really good direction, you know. So I'd rather take them on because I just I think that does a little bit more for you to say that you beat a team that just beat Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back weeks right. to end your season. I think that right. gives you a little bit more lore than playing a Mississippi State team that is very gimmicky, very gimmicky team in my opinion. And a really good defense, by the way. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. good defense. Mm-hmm. Very underrated defense in Mississippi State. It's funny, but like the last two jobs Mike Leach has had, he's built – He's had he's they've had some good defenses. The best defense Alex Grinch ever had was the one he had for Mike Leach at Washington State. Hercules you know? Mike Alpha, man. And, yeah. Uh, was, was Deion Buchanan on that team? I think I he might have been. I think was, so. Yeah. I yeah. think so. But in the defense this year they had was really salty. I mean, it really yes. was. Yeah. So um and and also you get nothing out of beating Mississippi State. No, nobody yeah. cares about Mississippi State. That's I'm not saying that to be disrespectful, but like from a recruiting national perception standpoint, nobody cares about that. And South, South Carolina, Car- we know South Carolina's, you know, they have a little NIL stuff behind the scenes too. Yeah. So anytime and you leave one of those teams, they flaunt a little bit. They fought against South Carolina for recruits this yes. cycle. I've yeah. never heard Mississippi State's name mentioned with any recruits. Mm-hmm. And I think the final point to, is to your point, Ryan. I think the buzz that South Carolina would have going into the game, blowing out Clemson, I mean, blowing out Tennessee and then beating Clemson on the road. Yep. You know, like I said, well, you know, did that did that diminish your thoughts on Clemson? Somebody asked that, and it's a fair question. I don't think it does. But you now go beat the team or even pound the team that beat the beat them. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, I mean. Yep. And it's an SEC win. It's never bad to get an SEC win. There are just some SEC teams that no one's going to care if Notre Dame beats Kentucky. No one's going to care if they beat Mississippi State. Ole Miss or South Carolina, people would care a lot more about those, in my opinion. Brent Key asks, Brian, which coach needs to be put on notice? Uh, Al Washington or Al Golden? Perhaps we lost Keon because Freeman and our D-line coach recruited him and circumstances change. Any thoughts? There's a lot of circumstances that change with Keon, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can just dismiss Al Washington's role because he needed to do, you know, fight to keep him. And he talked to him, but like, I don't think he did enough there. Uh, I don't think Al Golden did enough there. It's it's a, it's a, it's blamed to go around for the Keon situation, and some of it there wasn't they could control. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, honestly, 
I don't know about put on notice. You know, I, I use that kind of roughly. I don't know if I would put it directly. I don't think everybody focuses on Tommy Reese. I was not blown away with the job Al Golden did this year. I really, I think they relied on 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 defense of talent a lot this year as really good players. And I think the biggest issue that I have, Ryan, that concerns me is Al Golden has not shown the ability against good teams to be able to stop the pass and not get gashed by the run or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we saw that against Marshall. They had a very defensive pass game oriented game plan, which I thought was a mistake. And that allowed Marshall to run all over them. They had a great game plan to shut down Ohio State's offensive uh, pass game. And once Ryan Day figured out we can run on them, they couldn't do anything about it. And and we saw the same thing at USC. And the lack of adjustments all year was troubling. Mm-hmm. Like if this game plan was good coming in, they were good. And the games that they won against those teams, like North Carolina, North Carolina ended up not being a great running team, as we found out when the competition upped. They also yeah. just dominated them in the trenches. It wasn't necessarily the game plan per se. So I I have some concerns, to be honest with you, about that. And now, look, statistically, they did some really nice things, but they never had a great game. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of really good games, but no great games until, what, BC, who's yeah. mess. Bad. Yeah. So I um I I have some concerns there. I'm not saying I'm moving on or firing people. I'm not doing that. I'm saying like there you can't just keep doing what you're doing. And you have to be willing to address the fact that the worst position group on this roster for the entire on the defense for the entire season, with the exception of a couple games, was linebacker. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore that. Yeah. Yes, Al Washington do a great job this year. He did a good job. And I think at times Al Washington was somewhat hindered, and his group was hindered by a game plan that didn't turn them loose. They were being used to occupy blockers for the blitzers that weren't getting home. Mm-hmm. So I think Al Golden at the top is really where my my conversation would be about, we need to get a lot better. We yep. need to get a lot better. I like what he does. Here's the problem. I, did, I said all that to say this. Mm-hmm. I believe the problem is, he he had too much of an NFL focus. In the NFL, teams just don't run enough to really scare you. The run game for a lot of teams is just a little minor complement to the pass game. And in college football, it's a different animal. If you can mm-hmm. shut down a team's pass game in the NFL, you're going to win more often than not. I mean, other than what, the Titans? Um, there's a couple teams that are starting to run a little bit more, Ryan. But for the most yeah. part, like if you shut down Sean McVay's pass game, you're probably going to beat the Rams. Am I wrong? Well, this you know, year, because the um, are awful. <laughs> right. Really bad this year. <laughs> but, I mean, that's what Bill Belichick did to him in the Super Bowl a few years ago, too. He just didn't let him throw on him. And then they, they they had nothing to go with. So my, my point is, that's with a lot of teams. If you can, if Pat Mahomes has a bad game, Rams have, or the Chiefs have a tough time winning. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's not true in college football for most teams. It's not. And so I think that there was too much of an NFL thought process to this. Hey, we got to shut down the pass game. Okay, great. You shut down Marshall's pass game, and they ran for over 200 yards on you and beat you. Great, but you didn't give up a lot of pass yards. Ah, you, you kept C.J. Stroud in check. Yeah, but they ran it down your throat for a quarter and a half and won the football game. Hey, yeah. Caleb Williams had one of his least productive passing games of the season. Okay, but he rushed for three touchdowns, and the team rushed for 200, and you lost, right? Yeah. I mean, that's college football, man. And – just that was that was problematic for me. Right? It was really problematic for me. 
And they didn't have the injuries that you can point to for the offense. They didn't lose Avery Davis, an Avery Davis type, in my view. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think anyway. Um, you know, Jacob Lacey quit, but he played nine snaps the game before he left. They weren't using him. Yep. Right now, you could argue that's a problem, but they weren't using him. You know, um, so I just, for me, I just, uh, I, I wasn't in love with what I saw. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in love with what I saw. Thoughts? I mean, it, it's, I mean, we talked about it, right? Like, I think that there's a hierarchy to coaching, right? So if the team's not playing well, you start from the top up, you say, is it a head coach, the issue? If you're looking at growth that we talked about with Marcus Freeman and him turning the corner, it seems, and taking control of his program and seem to go in the right direction, well, then my next step is the offensive, court, offensive and defensive coordinators, right? Because they're in charge of their side of the football. If they have, if there is an issue with, the schematic approach to the defense, if they're asking players to do things that they're not good at, because we talked about this with the Al Golden situation, right? The linebackers the year before were not as bad as they were this year, and they were the same dudes, and they seem to regress. So when that happens, my immediate thought process is there must be something there with the coordinator spots that you take a look at. But the, and it keeps trickling down for me, Brian, right? So I think that for, for Al Washington specifically – I don't I think some guys definitely didn't make big jumps forward. I think there were some regressions in some spots. Too so he's much. a guy. Yeah. So he's he's a guy that I would have very close eyes on moving forward. There's no doubt. I do think that there are some things though where you can say to your point where the defensive line used correctly all the time. That's not really out on Al Washington. That's a scheme thing, right? That's a defensive coordinator's options to use a defensive yeah. line specifically. I'll look at him with the rotation of the defensive line for sure. I'll look with him and say, why was Isaiah Foskey a really good player last year and he was still just a really good player this year? Why wasn't he elite? Why wasn't he one of the best in college football? That's the stuff I looked at. So Al Washington I would definitely have an eye on. But to your point, I do think there were several games. We talked about Marshall. We'll talk about Ohio State from a run the run defense perspective in the second half. You talk about USC from a run defense perspective where I feel like the defensive game plan was not up to snuff. You talk about Navy, right? Like I was at the Navy game where in the second half, there were just no adjustments to stopping the triple option. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, there's instances where I would say for me, I have a very close eye on Al Golden moving forward. And I have an eye on Al Washington as well, because I think both of them show that there were some things to be, there's Definitely like a couple red flags that pop yeah. up a little bit with that situation. Yep. For sure. And recruiting. Like how often do you hear Al Golden's name with recruits? Not often. Not often. All right. We've got a few more. We got to get out of here. Ryan and Brian, I don't think we need another transfer quarterback. Let's roll with what we, who we have and look at getting wideouts and D linemen and edge players in the portal. I'm just going to say this. We will discuss this more in detail tomorrow. I'm going to, mm-hmm. the reason that I think quarterback is there. And again, we'll dive into this tomorrow. The big reason why Ryan is, you can't go into next year with your current group. And number one, I love Kenny Minchie. I don't want a freshman quarterback to have to start unless he's yes. a Trevor Lawrence. Yep. And Kenny Minchie's a really good player. It's not Trevor Lawrence. You know who else is not Trevor Lawrence? Every other quarterback in the 2023 <laughs> class. Yeah. Right? And and maybe Ty, everybody knows I love Tyler Buckner's health, but you cannot dismiss the lack of development that injuries and COVID have cost him over the last five years. You can't. Yep. Yep. He's played one full season of football as a quarterback in five years. You can't ignore that. And Drew Pine is a nice kid and a solid player, but he, that's who he is this year. 
And as we saw, it's it's not good enough. So I think you need competition. Now, if Tyler Buckner beats that kid out, great. That means he's going to be a dude next year. And, and I got full faith that he's got the physical talent. But you, but what if he's a dude and gets, gets hurt in third game again because mm-hmm. of the style of play he has? This is a kid who's had two major season-ending injuries, one lower body, one upper body. That's problematic for me. You can't assume he's going to be perfectly fine next year. That would be poor roster management, in my opinion. So I do yeah. think you need to go to the portal for another quarterback. I do. And Steve Angeli, nice kid, but – I think this team has a chance to compete if they can make a couple tweaks and, and some guys come back that I hope and think are going to come back. This team's going to have a chance to compete for championship next year. I truly believe that. I could yeah. be wrong, but I truly believe that. The one co- position I'm most worried about keeping that from happening is quarterback for a host of reasons, not just talent, but injury history and all that kind of stuff. So I want as many talented guys in that room as possible and then let the best man win. I mean, don't you at least want insurance at the quarterback position, right? I mean, you can't put all your eggs into Tyler Buckner's basket next year. You can't put all your eggs into Kenny Minchie's basket. I, I I think that both have a chance to be good. If they're, I mean, if Tyler Buckner could stay healthy, I still think he could be a good player. I, You know I think that Kenny Minchie could be a really good player on the mm-hmm. next level. But the worst-case scenario is that you get a transfer quarterback, he gets beat out, and he's a good insurance backup. I mean, it's it's. I, I don't think that there's right. a big risk to bring in another quarterback. I just, yeah. yeah. You got to bring in the right guy. Sure. Like for me, Jeff Sims is not that guy. You know, could Cade McNamara be that guy? Yeah, because if Cade wins the job, you've got a steady game manager that showed that if you put town around him in a really good run game and a really good offensive line and a really good defense, he can do what? He can take you to the playoff, right? Okay. But if he's not the guy, that means he got beat out by a pretty good quarterback and that you're going to be even better. That would be the floor for me, right? Like, it's, if he's not Cade McNamara better, I don't want him, in my opinion. I'm not just bringing a de- – I wanted a depth quarterback last year, but I wanted Tyler to be the guy. This year, it's a different deal. It's you're bringing a guy that can compete for the starting job and, and compete to help you win championships for me. And there are a couple guys in the portal that that have some potential for that, which we'll talk about later. And then there's a couple other guys that I hope jump in the portal that become that guy. All right, last couple questions. We have a super chat here from BDA King. It's not just the bowl game itself Mayor needs to worry about. A lot of more practices before the game, too. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I'm coming from, BDA. I mean, that it, it's just one of those things where would I would I love it for that we live in an era where, where you see the thing through? Yeah, I would love that. I think that's the ideal for me. You made a commitment. You see it through. But I also understand that's not where we are. And, and Michael Mayer is one of those kids that I feel has given the program everything he has. And I would understand it. Like I look at his situation a whole lot differently than I do Kyle Hamilton's last year, who I think quit on his team. I just I believe that. No one's going to convince me otherwise. Uh, I do not feel that way about about Mar- my, my uh, Michael Mayer. It, the polar opposite. I don't feel that way about. I didn't feel that way about Kyron Williams. I, I understood why Kyron Kyron was banged up all year. He gave his he put his heart and soul into every single snap he took at Notre Dame his whole career, especially last year. I understood he had to make a business decision. I get it. I don't like it as a as a rule big picture, but I'm not going to punish a kid's decision for doing what the current system allows him to do or advocates for him to do. I'm going to I'm going to push back against the system, but also support a, a player's decision to make that decision because that's the that's the world we live in now. 
We have a super chat from Lucas Deason, and these are the last couple things, and we're going to get out of here um, and uh, and kind of get to there. Uh, got some got some things I got to get taken care of here. Uh, super chat here from from Lucas Tanner McKee and Elijah Higgins combination. I would look at Tanner McKee if he entered the portal. Elijah Higgins is a nice player. I like Elijah Higgins, but I don't think there's the fit or the need at Notre Dame. I think Deion Colsey kind of does a lot of what you're going to ask him to do. The tight ends at Notre Dame do a lot of what you ask Elijah Higgins to do. I would um, I would be fine. If you're going to get a receiver, get a shifty guy, get a route runner, get an after-the-catch guy. I don't necessarily need a 6'4 guy that can run. And and Elijah Higgins is not is – not, he's not really a, that, a runner. He's more of like a an H-back honestly, in what Notre Dame would do. And I just don't see the need. Very good player. It's, but again, a lot of this, as I said, is about fit. What is the, what is, how's the guy going to fit on your current roster? There's some guys that I look at in the portal. That's a really good football player. Would you take him? No, because the fit's not there. The need's not there. And that's where I'm, that's how I'd feel about Elijah Higgins. McKee, a little different story. If he entered the portal, but right now he's not in the portal. So it really doesn't matter. And then Garth Cassidy with the last one, Brian or Ryan, do you think our starting defensive line next year could be Nana, Cross, Aiden, Kanaana, and Mills? No, not at all. A couple things here. Number one is I would have Rubio in there at nose over uh, Aiden. Number two, you're going to have a hard time getting after the quarterback with that group. You got two big ends and two defensive tackles in your starting lineup. And. I just don't think um, I just don't think that would make a lot. Now, if, if if could you do that against Navy? Could you do that if there's a team that's like a power, like a Wisconsin? Maybe, but you're gonna need somebody who can get after the quarterback a little bit. So in in that situation, you know, if you want to move Mills inside and have Mills and Cross and then Rubio and Aiden be your runners, you know, your rotation guys. Okay, I can live with that a little bit, but you're gonna need somebody else on the edge that can get after the quarterback. And I just don't see anybody that. That you know, Riley Mills probably your best pass rusher on the outside. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that pans out. I just, I don't, I don't think there's enough disruptiveness in that group, Garth. But I mean, look, those are four. I mean, four of your more proven players coming back, so I understand the question. It just, um, just not. Just not seeing that right now. So anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank everybody for being with us today. Really enjoyed that show. Uh, we'll be back, to, well, tonight, Sean Styers in about an hour and a half, we'll have a IB Nation Sports Talk show tonight at 6 o'clock. And then, of course, we'll be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. So we'll we'll do a show. We're going to kind of look at the portal. What are some of the, uh, the needs that Notre Dame has in the portal? What are some of the positions they should look at? Uh, where are the priority lists at the portal? We'll talk about why Notre Dame has to look at the portal differently. We'll talk about Notre Dame's portal philosophy. And then we'll talk about some specific guys that are in the portal that we like. And so that's what we will do tomorrow. So anyway, for for, for the rest of the team, I appreciate you all very much. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Sign up for the message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Make sure you're checking out our website at irishbreakdown.com, our main website. All of our content at irishbreakdown.com is free. So you definitely want to check that out, all of our articles, all of our news. And, of course, if you are listening via podcast platform, we would love it if you give us a five-star review. Also, make sure you are subscribed to the CFB Nation podcast channel and the YouTube channel if you haven't already. So uh, for the rest of the crew at Irish Breakdown, thank you all for being with us today. We will talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown podcast.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.